Comics to my right, the man himself, AP18. How you doing? Hello, everybody. Yeah. I'm doing well. That's Alex P. And to my left, G Dub himself, Garrett Walsh. How you doing? Doing good. So Wednesday Comics Podcast. My name is Marvin. We are here. Uh, we had a little book club show last week uh, for Fatal, and so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, this week we are. Uh, we were going to go back to a normal show, but we actually do not have any comics in common, or at least uh, Alex, you had zero books this week. I actually had only one, Batman 94. So It wasn't on my list for some reason. We're still, it looks like this week is the week that everything goes back to normal. I mean, at least for the time being, so we'll see. Uh, but we needed one more week of us doing something else to uh, fill the comic void since... Stuff is still messed up from uh, quarantine, and uh, who knows? Might go back that same way, but we'll wait till that happens. So, anyways, July 15, 2020, some comic books coming out. It looks like we have Marvel back on the docket, but we'll get there in a second. First, we need to talk about, and I believe this came out last week, right? Because it's on the solicitor for this week, too. Family Tree 7? Uh, yeah, I think that was um, two, two weeks ago. No, I know seven just came, or six just came out a couple of weeks ago because okay. I haven't been able to get it yet. Yes, yeah, so seven is coming out this week too. So they must have did a double. Maybe it was six was ready to go before everything got put on hold, and so they just sent it out, and now we got seven. So Jeff Lemire, Phil Hester, and Eric Gasper as Josh struggles to survive. Well, I can't read this. I mean, uh, I haven't read six yet. It only came out a second ago, so I'm not going to read that. But obviously, we know Family Tree here. All of us have enjoyed it. It's been fantastic so far. The jump between five and six. Yeah, right. I haven't read six yet. So uh, the last thing I know, there's a time jump. And so we'll see what happens with that time jump. But uh, here's another one that just came out. Getting Falls number 23. We talked about 22 a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino. Wicked Worlds Part 2. Father Fred finds himself trapped in the cyberpunk Gideon Falls. And he's going to need some help from the locals to find his way out. Garrett, what do you think? Um, God, last issue kind of started out a new, definitely a new storyline by the, uh, a lot of the threads that we've read about in the past. So, I mean, I'm excited. I feel like this book has no ending in sight. I mean, maybe we're in, uh, maybe the second or third arc. And so maybe it's close to ending, but I still think like the new premise of the storyline is just going to take it to different places. And it's kind of like paper girls. I think once it ends, like, I'll be so shocked by the time I get to that ending, and most things will make sense, because there's so much going on that by the time I figure it out, something new happens, and I'm like, huh? So, but still really great. Uh, Alex, TMNT number 106. That's all for Image, by the way. At least from what I saw. Uh, TMNT ongoing number 106, Sophie Campbell and Nelson Daniel. Finally, Eastman, even though Eastman is still on the cover, he's not actually solicited. Uh, Sophie Sophie Campbell is now sole credit, uh, even though she did write the last arc by herself. The other two were still on there as writers for some reason. The mutagen bombs follow continues to affect NYC in an increasingly disturbing ways as the government struggles to come with grit to the grips with the growing humanitarian crisis. Mutants start to grow go missing. The TMNT trace the clues to the waterfront and find something terrifying that is now living in the depths. What do we think here, Alex? 
So I read number 105 just a couple days ago, and it's actually really, really good. The, the Turtles go to a concert. Uh, it is honestly kind of just like an unwinding issue. Uh, the Turtles start their own dojo. It's amazing. And I'm actually excited to see what this next new full arc is going to be. Because this last one is kind of getting used to uh, the Turtles having the downfall of their father passing away. And now we're going to get back into hopefully, uh, obviously, bad guys are afoot. No pun intended. Uh, it's it's going to be good. I'm that, excited to see what Sophie's got in, in store for us. Is that Leatherhead? I don't think it's Leatherhead, but I know he's still around. I mean, it, um, it looks like a croc. I don't know. Well, but, well it could be him. Let me ask so you a question. The, if I saw the cover earlier, it looked like almost like a snake in it. Or well, I, yeah, that's the thing. I, yeah, you can't tell. Is it? I mean, the uh, what do you call that? The crocs have scales that kind of poke out instead of fins. Yeah. Yeah, it looks finny. Not not Benny. not scaly. Oh. Hmm. Do you think Leatherhead would wear Crocs? Like no, I think that'd be ironic. I mean, obviously they're not made of leather, but he'd still be offended by the name. I mean, I mean like he's in the water. You can wear those in the water. You can wear them in and out. <laughs> so why he wouldn't wear he wear sh- Crocs? Plus, he, he can't fit his feet in there. He's got like I, flippers they're, for they're feet. custom made. Obviously, you can go buy your own Crocs. Make your own. You know He's what? like, I've already got Crocs. They're called feet. Yeah. Boom. You're right. Those are probably uh, good enough. Uh, Marvel Comics, like I mentioned a second ago, looks like they're back in full force with Amazing Spider-Man number 44, Nick Spencer and Kim Jacinto. Uh, Kindred has plans with the Sin Eater, none of which looks good for Spider-Man. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is going to explode this summer, and we're here to light the fuse. Before I get to... Uh, uh, Alex, because Garrett, you don't read this anymore, do you? Because your brother. No, uh, I still get it. Oh, you do. Okay. Um, uh, me just right now reading that solicit. The reason why there was a pause is because I could not read the screen because I don't have my glasses and uh, just realized I'm an old man. Because usually from this distance in the past, uh, with my glasses on, I could still read it. But it looks like now my uh, nearsightedness is uh, also failing me. Uh, that's what happens when you get old. There you go, uh, Garrett. What do you think? Um, I think that Amazing Spider-Man has really turned around and become a really great book again. Um, however, that's the list that worries me. It sounds like an event's coming. And we know what that means with Spider-Man. That's going to turn to shit, probably. Um, but at the end of the, well, two issues ago, there was a cliffhanger about um, Kindred that we didn't get to see. But Norman Osborn knows who Kindred is. I'm uh, oh, sorry, spoilers, if you haven't caught up. Um Al, are you caught up? <laughs> I'm I'm one issue behind. I haven't read 43. Uh, but you read 42. Two. Yeah. And you saw that scene. Yes. Okay, good. Whew. Um, so, yeah, Norman Osborn knows who Kindred is. So, obviously, ruling out Norman Osborn is Kindred, um, which I don't know why you would think that would be Norman Osborn. But uh, so I'm excited that if we stay in this original storyline and don't go into an event, um, I know they can't help themselves with Spider Man. But uh, again, it's been better now. It's been better lately. There you go. Uh, speaking about events, one is happening here. Empire number one of six. Al Ewing, Dan Slott, and Valero Shitty. Uh, Jim Chung on that cover there. Uh, the Kree and the Skrulls have united under a new emperor, uh, and their war fleet is on a collision course for our world. On the moon, the Avengers are ready to strike with the fullest power of Earth's mightiest heroes approaching from outer space. The Fantastic Four are seeking a diplomatic 
solution. Uh, <laughs> I was saying that Ronnie of Lethal Weapon, so I lost my place. You were on my hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if the two teams can't work out together to save the day, things can only get worse. So there you go. Uh, Marvel Summer Event starts this week. Empire. Um, there you go. See, if it was just Al Ewing, I'd be like, hey, maybe I'll give it a shot. Um, but then you have Al Ewing and Dan Slott. Just because he's running Fantastic Four, right? So that's why he's in it? Yeah. So they're probably going to share. I don't like it. But then that, and once again, there was some Dan Slott that I've liked before, uh, like his Silver Surfer I've enjoyed before. So like this is not just a definite no for me. Uh, but, I mean, it, this is definite no for me. But I'm saying just because it's Dan Slott doesn't mean it's a definite no for me. I tried Fantastic Four. The only thing is I hate when Marvel does events and they have multiple writers. It's just like make one person in charge, have them write it. They did the same thing with Fear Itself way back in the way. They had five writers on this book. And each issue was a different writer. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got together and and uh, decided what parts we're going to write. And so, and so like you would read issue one and then that part of the story wouldn't happen again until like issue six. And the second issue felt like the person didn't even know what the first person wrote about they didn't mention it at all and so it was that's probably one of marvel's worst events and i'll say that you can come at me marvin underscore so we're on twitter that's one of their worst events and actually which which event again fear itself fear itself folks where all these hammers showed up in the uh in the marvel world and different heroes picked them up and it made them bad like the thing picked one up um who else picked one up Uh, uh juggernaut picked one up uh, and so um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. No. Hmm. And this one's a great one. Spider-Man picked one up too. I don't remember. Uh, I kind of try to take that out of uh, my brain. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, next book on the list here is Giant Size X-Men number one. Jonathan Hickman, Ramon Perez. Oh God, Ramon. Ramon is a fantastic artist. And Jonathan Hickman. I've, I haven't had Jonathan Hickman. Uh, in my eyeballs for a couple months here. So Hickman continues his one shot showcasing some of the showcasing some of the Marvel's best artists. This time he teams with Ben Oliver. Hold up a second. Ben Oliver. It says Roman Perez. Ben Oliver did the cover. It says, okay. To bring us a tale of Krokoian ambassador and a master of magnesium magneto. Krokovo may only know, may only, may be only for mutants, but mutants still need to deal with the human world around them. Magneto has a plan for that. Let me look at this art here. Um, what the heck? The preview on this is for Fantastic Four. Diamond? <laughs> Come on, guys. Jesus, I can't even tell if it's Ramon or... First off, you say you mark Ramon as the artist in the book. Then you tell me it's Ben Oliver, which Ben Oliver deck is pretty good too, so I don't really mind. But I just wanted to take a look at the preview to make sure and see who it was, and then it's not even preview for that book. What are they doing? They've been off. <laughs> They've been off for months, and they still can't get it right. Um, uh, maybe it was that guy that always does things in bullets. He's like, shit, I got a lot to write. Like, if I don't put things in bullet points, Marvel. like... <laughs> You're telling me... See, this is what I'm talking about. Logistics. You got five writers on an event, and it didn't work out. And now you can't even do solicits correctly. I mean, I did. I doubt that's your issue. You probably sent the right preview to them, and they probably put the wrong one on there. I'm not going to, you know, doubt you for that. But I'm just saying, get it together. Uh, <laughs> Mortal Hulk number thirty-five. Uh, by the way, I'm excited for that Magneto thing. I'll read that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It's been a while 
since any, we've read any X-Men because of the, you know, the gap in Marvel Comics. Um, I honestly don't know if I missed issues or if issues haven't came out or where I'm at anymore. So I'm just going to have to like start and pick them up when I see them on here and figure out if I missed anything. Uh, I think uh, X Force New Mutants are the only one. But okay, so X Men hasn't came out or, or New X Men, not New X Men. Uh, uh, Marauders came out. Yeah, one issue Marauders. New Mutants haven't out. hasn't came out or X Men, right? Nope, New right. Mutants ten came out and X Force ten came out. Oh, it did in the okay. last couple. But no X Men. No X Men. No X Men. No. Immortal Hulk number thirty five. Garrett Al Ewing, Mike Hawthorne. How's his book going? It's- it's gotten back to that great like territory, uh, except issue 34, I was a little bummed because it was told from the perspective of a villain the entire issue. The Minotaur, it says, like, right? What? It says the Minotaur right here. No, it wasn't the Minotaur, oh, okay. that issue. It was the, uh, what's his name? Uh, the scientist guy with the huge head. Not Modoc. Leader. What? Yeah, Leader. Leader, the leader. That's who it was. So it was told from Leader's perspective of like multiple lives that he's gone through and like don't get me wrong i'm cool with a good old villain setup but when you know i've gotten kind of shorted on the hulk fix because of the pandemic and then i get an issue and hulk's not even in it disappointing but still interesting hopefully he's in this issue so it's not fear itself i guess because it says matt fraction wrote that whole thing i'm trying to figure out what event it was where they had a different writer for every issue maybe it was x-men versus uh, avengers no could have been could it no i couldn't have been i didn't i didn't think it was that one was it the unjust not the uh the uh, uh the, the inhuman one? Oh, it was it was avengers versus x-men that's what it was okay it was bendis fraction jason aaron edward wicker and jonathan hickman which are fucking great writers but uh you, you just you just can't you just can't have five different writers like that um, Fear Itself is all about Matt Fraction. It, it still sucked. I remember it's still sucking, but at least it's Matt Fraction's uh, problem. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Boom Studios. Why am I so loud? Uh, there we go. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 51. Uh, this is uh, Ryan Pratt and Daniel Di Nochito. How's this book going, guys? Have you read issue 50 yet, Al? Nope. I right. was going to read so he could caught up on everything to talk about tonight, and I was like, nope, Last of Us 2 is more important. So I won't spoil it, but it was pretty great, and the cliffhanger, meh. So, does oh, really? It say, I'm, not look, I'm not on previews row right now. Does it say something on the masthead, Marvin, like what the next arc's called, or anything on the cover? Um, it says, spoiler... Uh, it's like it's blocked out. Has returned. The ripple effect sends shockwaves through every Power Ranger. Now the fragile, fragile allegiance between the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the Mega Rangers may be permanently shattered. That's all it says. Well, I mean, like on the cover of the comic, no. it doesn't say because like it's necessary evil or anything like that. No, I don't see anything. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah, this is the new age of only one Power Rangers comic book. Um, as to not spoil it for Alex or any, because it did just come out recently uh definitely was a cool landmark issue um the cliffhanger is definitely interesting i guess and we'll see where it goes i was hoping for something really 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 cool for who was coming um at the cliffhanger but i got somebody that was like okay still should be fun hopefully did we ever talk about not the movie obviously we talked about the movie i'm reviewing on the show but before that movie came out 
they had a live action short that somebody made. It was like 10 minutes long. Did we ever talk about that? The no. one where they all showed up and whatnot? Like all the Power Ranger teams? No, no, no. It was like somebody put it. It was not official. Somebody like put it together. Oh, maybe Jason David Frank's uh, Kickstarter for like a series. That, I think it was like. I thought it was because it has like the mature version. I, I have never seen him in it. I just watched it recently. No. Well, the one I was thinking of was like the like Zach gets killed. Yes, that's it. And Billy is in jail, or someone's Correct. in jail, or it's like super yeah. dark and gritty for no reason, and like yeah. nobody actually is in a Power Ranger suit. It's just like a like a, like then it's like one of those things where like they kind of hint that they're Power Rangers, but they really don't show it. And uh, at the end, Rita shows up. Um, um is the one with James Vanderbeek? Yes, the beak. Oh no, so that was a fan one. But then also after that, Jason David Frank basically created a Kickstarter trailer and has like a bunch of Power Rangers in it. Basically do redoing Power Rangers, but they're like Tiger Rangers now instead. Well, whatever that was, it was a piece of shit. I just watched it with Vanderbeek. It was like trying to be cool, but also like it was uh, also like, God, why do you have to make like Power Rangers? Isn't, it tried to act like it was Mortal Kombat. And mm-hmm. I saw people in the thing I was watching in the comments were like, yeah, this is how it should be. Like their audience has grown up. But I was also like, yeah, but like they like it for certain, like you guys like Power Rangers for a certain reason. And like if it changes and becomes something else where they don't wear the suits anymore, they're just people who fight other people. And like Rita's still in it, but they don't have Zords anymore and stuff like that. And they're just like doing Kung Fu and it was dark and gritty and people were like dying and stuff like that. There was guns involved, which there isn't that short. And then it's like it's what well, it's not it's not Power Rangers then, so that's how yeah. I felt about that short. I was just like, it feels like somebody was like, ah, oh, I like Power Rangers, but I think all that stuff's cheesy now. So what I'm going to do is just ignore that all. But it's like, but that's what makes that that. Mm-hmm. Like you can it find kind of like that last movie was so good, and I'm so bummed that Hasbro's rebooting the whole thing. But oh well. Once in future number nine, that is Dan Mora and Karen Gillan. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Uh, it, <clears throat> so I read issue seven. is excellent. Actually, doesn't even skip a beat from number six. Uh, I didn't read eight. Eight, again, on that stack. Was going to get read. Didn't happen. But I'm so excited for this book to continue on. I don't even care how long it goes anymore. It gets to issue 12, and that's the end. That's fine with me. I'm just so excited that this book is getting read getting a second arc to tell more of the story. I have found the second arc to be way more enjoyable than the first arc. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, DC Comics, here we go. Uh, they're going to be at the end now because I have to go to a different website to find their uh, solicits. I found three of them here. Dark Knights, start, uh, Dark Knights Death Metal number two. That is uh, Scott Snyder and uh, Greg Capullo. And the Antichrist's part two. What do we think here, Garrett? Uh, loved issue one of Dark Knight's uh, Death or whatever it's called, Heavy Metal uh, number one. Death Metal. Uh, death Metal. Is it Death Metal? Um, heavy Metal. Death Metal. I don't know. I just cool literally metal, just read it. Let bro. me call pull back up. I closed it. <laughs> death Metal. Um, death Metal. Death Metal. Okay. Um, this worries me only a little bit because I thought uh, Dark Knight's Metal number one was really good and then we got the rest of the series and it was pretty poor so i'm hoping that 
the story we got in issue one is going to kind of unfold in the remainder of this saga, and it's not going to be crap. So I'm really excited because I think Snyder and Capullo did an amazing job in issue one. I just really hope they keep that role going. Strange Avengers number three, that is Tom King and Mitch Gerads and Evan Shatner, the doc. Uh, Alex, what do we think of uh, Strange Avengers? You know, when it, so we read issue two, and I think we actually talked about it on the show. Uh, so good. And it, it reinvigorates my love for Tom King and how, how strong of a writer and how much um, dedication he puts into researching these characters. I am so excited for issue three, and I'm surprised this book is going to be still 12 issues long. Uh, but I cannot wait to hop back into it. I'm excited to put it on the list for this coming next coming week for us to talk about because the art is fantastic. The story is great. And again, it's, it's touching on characters that I don't know anything about for the most part that intrigues my interest even more because it's new to me and I don't know what to expect. And the last thing here, which uh, this finale of a thing, Superman's Pals, Jimmy Olsen number 12, Matt Fraction, who we just spoke about a second ago, and Steve Lieber. Uh, what do you think here, Garrett? I'm sorry, the audio cut out for me. What was the title? Jimmy yeah. Olsen, Superman's Jimmy Olsen. Pal, number 12. Uh, damn, I can't believe that's already been, well, I mean, obviously a year and a half, year and some change, but uh, what a fun series. Um, I had so much fun with it. Matt Fraction is obviously hilarious. Um, it's going to be sad to see this issue go. And what was really fun, that issue 11 kind of played itself as the series finale, but there was the last page of the issue kind of teased some fun for this follow-up actual final issue. So um, that's kind of the fun that you get with the Matt Fraction comic. And yeah, I'm excited and a little bittersweet that I'm already, uh, you know, I got Jimmy Olsen back in my life and now he's going away. Uh, just like Lois Lane, like these. Well, I was going to cool, ask. It's cool seeing spotlight on Superman characters because Jimmy Olsen basically for like four years just died, like he disappeared. So it was well, nice to have him back around. Those two books spun off of Bendis doing Superman in action comics. Uh, I honestly, personally believe those books don't exist unless Bendis comes over and has an interest in Superman because uh, Superman, even though he is like he's DC Comics, like he obviously is the first hero that they had. And he should be like their main person. Batman brings in more money. Um, and so Superman is always like the kind of forgotten thing, especially with the recent Wonder Woman uh, um, popularity. So I feel like Superman's playing third fiddle. Uh, so I think Ben is coming in, putting a big name in that book, kind of brought it back into the spotlight. And then he wants to do stories and bring Jimmy Olsen back and, uh, and kind of focus on Lois Lane. And then they go off and do a spinoff, uh, which he did the Lois Lane one. No, Greg Rucka did. And then you have uh, uh, Fraction doing this, which I also think that those writers don't come over unless Bennis is writing Superman and and he said, yeah, come on over. Um, well, Greg, Greg's been over there before, but not Matt. Uh, and so I was going to ask Eric, was it worth it? For Bendis to come over? To take over those two books for you to get these two miniseries or maxi series? Um. Gosh, that's a very weighted question because I was actually loving the Superman run from uh, Tumasi and uh, uh, why can't I think of the other guy? Uh, Patrick Gleason. Gleason. Yeah, Gleason and Tomasi. Um, I thought that was such a great run and you could tell that their run got ended short. Um, you know, some of the decision that Bendis has made, like, you know, 
throwing John into the future, making him older. Um, you know, the whole thing with Jor-El, which still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and then what's his nuts? Uh, I can't even think of the, it's so unforgettable. The villain that like he fought. <laughs> I literally was going to ask you what that guy's name was. I'm trying to think. I came. It's like starts with an M. Maybe. I thought it started with a V. V. Borchell. It's so fucking unforgettable and was never a good. It was basically just a mix of doomsday and, uh, Mongol, but just, Ten times dumber, but ten times more ferocious. Like oh, Rogalzar, Rogalzar. Yeah, Rogalzar. Oh, what a fucking horrible <laughs> name. Like that. Those pieces of it, like his changes to the lore, not a huge fan of. And that Man of Steel comic was also not good. Uh, if you guys remember that, that's where the cockapoo. I don't. Uh, came oh from. yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot. That was garbage. But his action comics run up until. Uh, John Romita Jr. came on and do art when they did kind of the Descender thing where it was like 13 issues took place within five minutes of actual real time. Um, the book was really solid and he was telling a really great story. Uh, the Superman book was dealing with the Rogel Czar and like you can tell there's two different writers like that is not Bendis. I hope that Bendis is actually writing action comics and this ghost writer is writing Superman. But if it's reverse, man, Bendis has really lost his way. But um, Action Comics has still been pretty good. Superman is almost irredeemable. You know that miniseries that Scott Snyder did on Superman? What was that called? Superman Unchained. Unchained, okay. For some reason, I was thinking that was called Man of Steel. So when you said Man of Steel at first, I was like, yeah, I'm never liking that. But then I was like, oh, no, that's not the one. Um, yeah. I, I Honestly, that, the Kakapupu line... I honestly forgot was from that book, and I thought we just started saying it about Superman, but you're right. It comes from that book. Flash says it, right? Yeah. yeah well, okay. then also, like, the Leviathan bullshit, that's already come and gone. Kind of like a blimp. Nobody cares. So, what was your answer? Is it worth it or not? Um, at the end of the day, no. Okay, and so, out of these two miniseries, which one is Lois Lane or the Jimmy Olsen? Which one is, would you say it's worth looking into if you're not Normally into the Superman books. Um, man, that's tough because they're both really strong. Like, I think these two books are better than any of the Superman books coming out right now. Um, I would say Lois Lane is pretty good. Um, you get your Greg Rucka, who obviously writes strong female characters. Um, the art is really good. And I, I really wish they'd give more credit to the question in the series. It should be called like Lois Lane and the question because you get Renee Montoya every single issue and she is a crucial part to that series. And there's an actual mystery to follow. Now the caveat is it does deal with Leviathan a little tiny bit, but it comes in and gets pushed out of the way. I'm sure Greg was like, this is, fu- this is fucking stupid. And then he gets onto the actual story. In Wasn't there an event Leviathan rising? Yeah. Did that ever there end? is. Uh, it's still going. It's oh, a new limited. Okay. So there's Leviathan, and then there, now there's the Leviathan Rising. Mm, okay. Jeez. Yeah, so a prequel to the horrible villain that nobody likes. Perfect. Uh, Garrett, what do you think is going to be your pick this week? Out of those options, Gideon Falls. Sorry. I mean, that's what comes to mind right away. I'm like, I know it'll be a great story, lots of suspense, hopefully some good horror, and hopefully I figure out one answer to something but I'm not getting my hopes up on that part. Alex, what do you think? I'm going to go with uh, TMNT 106. 
TMNT number 106. That's going to be Alex's pick there. And then, as Garrett said, Gideon Falls number 23. And then I am going to go with uh, probably the Magneto. Giant size Magneto number one, Hickman, Ben Oliver, or who knows, Rome Perez, whoever it is. Um, you know what? Actually, let me look at that cover again. Is that a Ramon Perez cover? And then I would be able to tell whether or not. Uh, oh, come on. Oh, God. That is not the pick I thought you would choose. What do you think I was going to pick? I thought you'd do um, Strange Adventures. No. No, that's fine. Uh, I'm actually excited different. for the big needle. Um, just because, I mean, it's different. Not really. I, we, like I said, we haven't next been in a while, so oh, no, that's a Ben Oliver cover. I don't know. I don't know who's doing the art for that, but I don't know if Ben's doing both things and they just messed up. I don't know why Ramon would give me credit on this. Did he do the last one, maybe? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, that's my pick right there. Alex, what do you think here? The weather uh, today, not bad. little cooler about 70 degrees i think it was uh no close to 80 um what do you think how's the weather the, gonna be? Let, so the morning was beautiful i woke up at 6 15 took the dog outside uh almost felt like a fall morning the sun hadn't quite risen up high enough to burn everybody uh then the day got hot which is normal it's july whatever the rest of the week you know what to expect hot i'm just gonna say it you could see on your weather channels, your national things. You can't trust those anymore. You're coming to the man right here who's telling you what it is. It's going to be hot. The precipitation is because it's a stupid humid out, and you wish it would rain, and it doesn't. So you want the weather? Here it is. Get your ice cubes. Put them in your cup. And I'm not talking about your, your drinking cup. Put them down in your pants cup because you're going to need to stay refrigerated. Uh... Go to the beach. Alex, hell. Uh, yeah. I, I did see some areas got a little bit of precipitation in the form of frozen hail and a little snow. Uh, wh- what do you think that is? <clears throat> Why do I think that yeah, is or where do I think Why? that is? So I'm going to lay some knowledge on you. Uh, when the clouds get all full of rainwater, and depending on what the temperature is outside or how high those clouds are, starts off as snow. Sometimes it lands and stays as snow. Sometimes it solidifies into hail and beats the shit out of your crops. That's why. When there's so much humidity in the air, does it not come down as snow? You know what? The earth is a weird fucked up place. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, okay, so I, I, I checked into it. Magneto is art by Ramon Perez. Ben Oliver was originally going to do it, and he was replaced by Ramon Perez. So that's why the solicitor still says Ben Oliver, but it does... I mean, the solicitor does say Ramon Perez is doing the art, but then the actual words say Ben Oliver. Uh, they just forgot to update the words on there. So uh, that's why it's a Ben Oliver cover. It's because he was going to do the whole thing, and then he's not doing the whole thing. I don't know why. He didn't say, but now we get Ramon Perez, which is fine. I like Ramon Perez. Uh, Tale of Sand. Uh, and he's done some Marvel stuff here and there. Uh, so uh, looking forward to that. And like Alex said, Gonna be a hot one out there. Uh, it's definitely the dog days of summer. That's what they call it, July, right, Alex? And you know um, it. And uh, we just celebrated the uh, Independence Day ID four. I call it uh, the day a couple of years ago when the aliens invaded and we were <laughs> saved 
by a crop duster. I believe Alex was talking about crops a second ago. So that's what he was referring to, and that's what we celebrate an ID4 day. So <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> get it? Get it? No? Okay. I'll just go in the corner. Uh, RainbowComicsAndCards.com. <laughs> it should fit into source for all things comic books. When we talk about these comic books coming back in full force, you're going to need to get them uh, even if you're not leaving your house. So, so that's uh, RainbowComicsAndCards.com. Go there, order your books. If you're anywhere outside of their local areas, you can get them mailed to you. Ship right to that door. Uh, otherwise, if you're in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or Lincoln, Nebraska, they do have local branches there, and you can go ahead and venture into the business to see what they have to offer. Uh, go to RainbowComicsAndCards.com for more information. Welcome back to Wednesday Comics. Uh, we are here to talk about, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, not enough comics came out this week that we all had, and so instead, we're going to bring you another episode of Back Matter. Uh, remember, that's the when the podcast goes a little deeper into what we like outside of comic books. Instead, you get to know the three of us a little bit better. We've done ones in the past about Christmas. We've done ones in the past about cartoons and uh we've done last summer we did one called campfire stories where we went around and told stories uh campfire stories uh a little scary a little unexplained well this summer we're bringing you campfire stories unsolved mysteries and uh you know, uh, Garrett's got a couple stories for us, and then I got a couple stories for us, and we're going to tell you and see uh, some things that are a mystery out there. Right, Garrett? Right, right. Lots of fun stuff. Now, you had mentioned in the pre-show there before we uh, started that, uh, that you have one about Briar Road. Is that correct? Bray Road. Bray Road. You were on it. I was on it. So I recently went to Wisconsin uh, to visit my girlfriend's family. And we went to this uh, brewery, it's called Second Salem, and it's in Whitewater, Wisconsin, I believe it's called. And they had a Beast of Bray Road Amber Ale, and on it is like a picture of a werewolf. And I was like, why does that sound so familiar? And I had recalled, because I listened to the lore podcast with Aaron Mankey, that he had an entire episode dedicated to the Beast of Bray Road. So we all started discussing it, um, and then I decided to revisit that podcast episode. So this is all a collection, and I owe everything to lore, so it's not like I'm creating this material myself. It's everything I can recall from that episode of their podcast, and then mixed in with like my experience on that road. Um, so the story goes that back in the 80s, um, there was a lady... Uh, driving down Bray Road, um, she was on her way to a friend's house when um, there was something in front of her, or no, it was something had like bumped against her car. So instinctively, she stopped her car, um, got out, and started looking around um, for what she could have potentially hit. 
Well, she didn't see anything, and so she was she walked out about, I don't know, 20, 30 yards from her car when suddenly she sees this four-legged creature kind of just sitting there staring at her. She's like, oh, that's weird. Can't really tell what the animal is. But then she sees the animal get up on its two legs and start walking towards her. So she sprints back to her car and um, she ends up being able to get into the car and starts trying to drive off. But as she does, she feels something like bounce on top of her car um, frantically. So she's taken off down this road and um, eventually whatever was on the car gets shaken off what have you. Um, so for some fucking idiotic reason, so she goes and hangs out with her friends, whatever. She comes back the same way that she did before. Um, I don't know why you would do that. Um, because again, you just had an encounter with something strange. Why would you go to the same place where you just had that encounter? And, um, as she's going down, um, Again, behind her, she can see something chasing her car, so she peels off, whatever, and she eventually makes it home. Well, um, you know, the next day comes around, and she looks at her car, and there are, like, claw marks all over the back end of her vehicle. So, that's like the first of three encounters on this Bray Road. And, you know, I'm looking on some facts. The Bray Road is named after the Bray Farm. Um, there was a family with the last name Bray that lived there, and they had the Bray Farm, so that's why the road was called Bray Road. Um, I guess I have two more um, stories. So another one was a man was driving on Bray Road. I can't remember for what reason. Um, when he saw a figure who looked um, like it could be somebody kind of on the edge of this like area of forest. Um, and he said that it, that it was like dewy so he could see the creature, like some breathing out some air. Um, so he stopped, he got out of his car and couldn't quite tell what it was similar to the first person. And when he did so, this creature started walking towards him slowly out of the edge of the forest. So as soon as he saw that, he like sprinted back in his car and took off. So not as creepy, but still pretty concerning. Um, question then, though, <clears throat> yeah. um, the uh, brew that you had, what kind of be- uh, beer was it? It was an amber ale. Amber ale, and you read the side of it. Uh, they just named it after that myth for uh, that can, story, or what was the reason? I actually, for that? have one of the cans because I bought a four pack of it. And I can read the side of their description. First off, what kind right. of beer are we talking about? It's an amber ale, I said. Oh, yeah, that's right. I just asked you. I just said it three fucking times. <laughs> I literally just forgot I asked you. I was like, I wonder what kind of beer that is. Um, uh, right. so, I'll yeah, read go the description here. before I tell the last uh, last bit. Um, so, Beast of Br- <laughs> the legend of the Beast of Bray Road. For decades, the Beast of Bray Road has haunted the countryside between Whitewater and Elkhorn in southeastern Wisconsin. After a long night of terrorizing the neighbors, we believe a seven-foot-tall, 400-pound... Harry Biped would have reached for this American Amber Ale. Uh, the Beast of Railroad Amber Ale has voluminous body, multi-complexity, and pronounced spicy herbal and piney hop character and hold its own with just about anything on the dinner table. It won the 2016 Bronze Award for World Beer Cup for Best Beer. Um, and I'll send a picture to our chat. I don't know if you want to add it with the 
a sure. podcast and you load it to what the beer can looks like. So here you go. Mm-hmm. Second Salem Brewing Company in Whitewater, Minnesota, or Whitewater, Wisconsin. Um, so final last tale. What, is that, what does that sound road. familiar oh. for me, to me for Whitewater, Wisconsin? Yep, it's between Whitewater, Wisconsin, and Elkhorn. I feel like, um, well, me and Marvin went on a bachelor party. Uh, no, we were going the opposite direction. Just kidding. Nope, nope, never mind. I was thinking, did we drive through there? But I know that I've driven through Wisconsin before, and I can't remember when. Sounds but I, I don't know why it's familiar I'll, to you. I'll look it up for a second here. Uh, you had a second story, you said? Yep, so just one, uh, well, two tales. First off. Uh, my girlfriend's family took me out there because they knew exactly where that road was. And it's a long stretch of road um, where there is plenty of forest area all around. And literally that Bray farm is in the middle of all of it. Um, You know, I got a shirt at that uh, brewery. So we went under the Bray road sign, but it is crazy how eerily like quiet it is out there. And all it is is like flatland, well, flatland with a lot of forest, and like you could only see the first couple layers, and then you can't see anything beyond that. So, uh, definitely was pretty crazy being at the spot where those sightings happen. Um, so, what I can tell from Lore Podcast, the last sighting I believe was in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, a similar experience. This time it was a family going down Bray Road. And they see the creature in front of them. Um, it's like running alongside them. Um, and it looks bigger. It looks about the size of like a bear, but it's really skinny, like a dog or obviously a werewolf. Um, and so the thing that was concerning to them is they freaked out. They're speeding away um, as they do so um, behind them. They see one beast go across the street and then right behind it is a second one so there might not have only been one beast of bray road there might have been multiple beasts of bray road if not a hive of beasts in or on bray road so that's a little uh local legend if you're from wisconsin but hey uh in uh how to make uh making a murderer on netflix remember that Took place yeah. in Wisconsin. Is Whitewater involved in that? Oh. Oh, and also the creepy part about while I was in Wisconsin, on the 4th of July, there was a lunar eclipse and it was a full moon. So, and I literally, I shouldn't, well, my girlfriend is within a half hour to an hour of this Bray Road. And she lives out in the country. So, pretty freaky. But Garrett, you are a known hunter. Well, I know. I didn't have any silver. Well, I guess I, I have a silver. No, it's not even silver. I'd have to find <laughs> silver bullets of some kind. But you know what they say. Um, there's one. There's more than one way to kill a vampire. Because a stake to the heart kills a lot of things. So it's you just get your knife out. Hey, <laughs> you just get your knife out. If you cut out its heart, it's dead. Mm. Uh, the lawyer in the uh, Making a Murderer Netflix show, uh, the one that uh, was working for the state and then eventually uh, resigned his position. He went to school in Whitewater. So maybe that's where maybe they mentioned that or something like that. And then I don't know. It sounded familiar to me. Um, quick question here, Garrett. Yeah. You went to that road and 
when you were on the road, if that beast showed up, what are you doing? What do you do? Well, it, thankfully, it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, I don't know. I mean, the creepy part is when that photo was being taken of me um, under the Bray Road sign, uh, her family was like driving away to turn around. And I, I can't fly. I was like, okay, maybe this is a joke, but like you guys are driving kind of far away right now. <laughs> like for, and, and it was a little weird because I was like, you guys left right now. I don't know. This is this is odd. <laughs> but they just came back around to scoop us up. Mm. So now the one thing that gets me is that okay, when you have like a a Bigfoot, um, a werewolf, especially when you've had like three sightings, I'm surprised mm. there's not a group of hunters that have come together and gone. Okay, we're gonna go out and look, and it's not just you know two dudes and handguns but you got these guys who've got m16s are like okay just in case shit really hits the fan and this really is a werewolf well i did i did see on wikipedia that there have been people that have gone out there looking for the beast of bray road and have been unsuccessful so So, i mean i'm I'm one of those people who i believe the scary crap Mm -hmm. um and i do believe there's animal you know beasts out there Ooh. Mm. No, scary. not quite. You know, you know what's really scary is you get coyote sounds. You get that chipping and that chirping that they do. That's terrifying. Or a cat in heat. That'd be a scary sound, Marvin. Find that for us. <clears throat> See? Now that would scare me <laughs> shitless. Uh, you mean like a mountain lion? <laughs> like, you know look, it. Look at a cat. <laughs> Uh, here you go, so you can hear it. Oof. That that one's scary. The coyote, I was like, I even know what that is. This, I'm like, what the... It's kind of almost sounds... Monkey-ish or human-ish. There's a little human in it. It sounds like something. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. Why are we recording this at night? Like, I already got chills. I don't know why. Can you imagine? We're in the middle of the woods. Well, I mean, we are in the middle of the woods right now. Uh, you guys are in different woods. We decided to record it remotely, but also... <laughs> In the woods, um, and all of a sudden, this comes out of the. I'm going on vacation this summer to the Black Hills. You think I'll hear that? Possibly. Man, there's a shot. Uh, <laughs> Garrett, you said you had another mystery for us. Yeah, absolutely. So this one's uh You know what actually you know, let me let me do one and then you do yeah, one. Yeah, you do yeah. one, we'll come back. <clears throat> We're gonna talk about the Circleville letters. You guys heard about this? Uh uh-uh. no. Nineteen seventy six residents of a small city south of Columbus, Ohio, began to receive handwritten sinister and graphic letters. Each letter included secrets and dark details about their personal lives. One resident received tons of letters accusing her of various unsavory acts. 
The author warned the resident he had been keeping an eye on her home as well as her coming and goings. The resident was horrified and tried to keep the letters a secret until her husband began receiving them also. The attacks on the family continued, with large posters appearing around town spreading rumors about their 12-year-old child. One day in 1977, the husband left the house after receiving a call from who he thought was writing the letters. A few minutes later, the husband was found dead at the street end behind the wheel. The sheriff had ruled it a homicide when he realized that a single shot had been fired before the accident, but there was no evidence that the husband was shot on sight. The sheriff originally had ruled it an accident because the husband was twice the legal limit, and therefore it was ruled a drunk driving accident. So, right, he said at first he said it was a drunk driving accident, and then he looked further into it and realized he had been shot. Uh, but not... After he crashed, before he crashed. Uh, the letters begin once again, this time accusing the sheriff of covering up the true nature of the death. The letters also accused the sheriff of mishandling an investigation in the county coroner, who had also been accused of other grotesque acts. The harassment continued, this time with signs along the road, and in 1983, the original resident, who had been accused of having an affair, pulled over to remove a sign. During the effort to remove the sign, she discovered a small box attached, and inside was a small pistol. The gun was part of a booby trap designed to fire when somebody removed the sign. Paul Fresher was arrested and given 25 years. One small problem, though. The letter writing continued even after he was put in jail. In In a new batch of letters, the author had promised to dig up the grave of the deceased baby and mail the bones to the police in the case of another potential affair turned murder. Hundreds of residents continued to receive personal letters until 1994 when they stopped. What year? 1994? Yeah. Dang. That's creepy. Hmm. Maybe there was an accomplice. Or maybe it was the mastermind this entire time. There's someone sitting in jail. Wrongfully accused. Wrongfully accused? Who knows? He got 25 years and then uh, still kept coming out. Um, I mean, unless... Is there a way you can mail letter, letters uh, like after the fact? You would need an accomplice, right? When they go in the mail, they go. You can't be like, hold this for me for two months and then send it. I don't know, man. If you remember uh, Back to the Future Part 3, I mean, they held that letter for like 40 years. What are you going to say, Alex? I bet you could have multiple P.O. boxes. And each P.O. box would only go out at, you know, in September or in October. Or you could set it to be that P.O. box. So that everybody would get their their letter as they should, and not too soon. Hmm. You're saying set it and forget it. That's right. Of course. Watched a lot. Watched a lot of uh, infomercials. That's one of them. Set it, then forget it. Hmm. Turkey's always turned out perfect. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Uh, Garrett, you had a mystery? Uh, So this one is a good old UFO uh, discovery. So a little science and a little uh, little spooky because it's in 2020, the year of all things normal, right? So uh, this is according to India.com and post-dated... July, oh, it's actually really recent. July 10th, 2020. So just That's a UFO, by the way. 
What? That's a UFO. Okay, perfect. The UFO is here. We can talk about it now. So, here it is. A UFO to believe up to 25 times the size of the Earth has been spotted exiting from the sun, according to alien hunters. Um, aliens have always been a source of curiosity and fascination for humans, and every once in a while UFO fanatics and conspiracy theorists tease our imaginations with various theories. UFO hunting enthusiast Scott C. Waring, who often comes up with such theories, has now claimed that he has spotted evidence of a huge UFO 25 times the size of the Earth near the sun. Um, and this is his quote, I caught a giant black orb exiting our sun on Soho images today. The images are actually from June 27th, but are still seen as current for some unknown reason. The black sphere is over 25 times the size of the Earth and sits there for a few hours before it shoots away. This is certainly one of the biggest fears seen near our sun in a while, uh, which he wrote in a blog in the ET database. Um, so he came to the conclusion by an, um, analyzing images from NASA's Solar and Heliospheric Observatory, SOHO Satellite, um, and another quote, Now it's certainly possible that the sun mantle material that is being pushed out, but if so, uh, it should be glowing and still burning to some degree, but it's not. So there's a big chance that this black sphere is actually an alien ship or space station that was occupying a hollow space within our sun and then was seen exiting. I call it hollow sun theory, and it answers a lot of our burning questions of why UFOs are seen around our sun and leaving our sun so often. Um, and in the same article, he also made another dis discovery with the SOHO satellite on Mars... Um, he claimed that while going through photos of Mars, one of the images showed something like a warrior-like figure carved into the planet's hillside, describing it as an elusive proof that aliens exist. And I have the picture, and that is something I'll also give to Martin to hopefully he can upload with the podcast, potentially. Um, the object looks like a long, cylindrical metal object, and according to Warren, is not only evidence of advanced aliens, but also that their technology is a lot more developed than our own. So, boom, aliens, do you think they're out there? Do you have this picture Yep. I'll right now? Because I'll look at it and I will uh, use my expert deductive skills. Scent. Look at this picture. And it don't tell me that doesn't look like some part of that ship from Prometheus. I... I think it looks like the Velociraptor claw from Jurassic Park. I mean, yeah, what if that's just a nail of a fucking maper dealing with an alien monster, not an alien warrior, but a fucking claw of, like, an alien, I don't know, fucking being. I think aliens are hard for, like, I believe there's there's other species out there. But I also have a hard time believing that the only time, again, much like Bigfoot, you only see the outlines, you only see the fuzzy pictures, or you get to hear the hearsay from other people. Mm-hmm. That I just, I mean, not that I want to see aliens, because the odds are pretty good they're going to be like xenomorphs, and they're going to be monsters, they're going to be a predator, and they're going to be hunting us for sport. So but you think like just, there's, there's species out there, but you don't think there's intelligent life out there? I'm sure there has to be some sort of intelligent life. But I just find it weird that if they're so intelligent, they're so much farther evolved than us with all their technology and all their gear. Not necessarily why don't they invade Earth, but why wouldn't they come in and go, hey, we want to negotiate, we want to have conversations. I'm sure actually they've seen 2020 and go, uh, those guys are fucked up. 
I want to leave them alone. <laughs> well, maybe they have. I mean, you know, there's sightings on Earth. You know, what if they have tried making contact, but none of us are taking the message? Or when they do come down, they get captured by us because we're having yeah. to hunt them down to get information out of them instead of just letting them live their lives. I mean, Area 51, undisclosed base, it's not on any government maps or anything like that. You're right. Crazy shit. There we go. UFOs. <laughs> UFOs. That rhymes. UFOs. Um, do you think maybe, I got a theory on this. Uh, remember in uh, All-Star Superman, he gets too close to the sun and it overcharges his cells and he gets cancer. Spoilers. Um, do you think it's Superman? But it, Well, it says it's 25 times the size of the Earth. So... That's, uh, I mean, that's like Superman had a couple too many hot dogs to catch my drift to be uh, that big. So <laughs> some, that's some radioactive insides, if that's the case. So wait, the spaceship was is 25 times that size, or the monster is 25, size, 25 times so, the size of Earth? So there, that, the monster theory is on Mars. The sun theory is that the object is 25 times the size of the Earth. Holy crap. Yeah, so 25 Earth sizes chilling out on the moon. On the sun. I mean, yeah, on the sun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mixing up well, with that, Holy crap, how's that happening? Right. Okay. Hmm. Mm. There you go. Um, You know sharks don't sleep, Alex? Sharks oh, don't? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's if you turn them upside down, they do tend to pass out, but... Lay it on me. I'm ready for it. Sharks don't sleep. That's it. Scary. That's it. We don't know that. You know, we're talking about street or regular swimming sharks. Ocean. Ocean sharks. Okay. Their biology makes it so that they have to be swimming to breathe. Correct. Not all sharks. I'm talking about the ones that have to. (laughs) Okay, then yes, the ones that have to. (laughs) But you know what? Hippos can sleep. While underwater, and then they just come up, take a breath, go back down. Or they just sleep on the, the ground. So just I'm just saying, there's there's issues here. Whales, they sleep. They gotta sleep. Another thing to think about, Alex, since we're talking about sharks and they bite things, right? Did you yeah. know that uh, it takes the same amount of pressure to bite through a carrot as it does to bite through your finger? I did. You bite Dang. through your pinky. You bite through your pinky knuckle. Your middle part of your knuckle there, you can bite right through it. Ugh, man, I ate carrots just like yesterday. Now bite you're going to think about your fingers off. every time. Well, dang. <clears throat> well, it's most likely just your pinky, unless you got really flimsy other fingers. Hmm. Here's another thing Don't I Don't try it. When your body's sleeping, it's, the, it's at a peak sense in which it is aware of its environment. Because it's an old thing that we used to have an animal instinct, right? Animals, when they sleep, they're aware aware of sounds around them, of movements, change in heat, uh, change in the air. Uh, So are humans. We still have that left over. Um, And so if you stare at somebody long enough when they're sleeping, they will wake up. And also, most people wake up in the middle of the night for no reason. Connect the dots, if you will. Hmm. Hmm. I am a hard sleeper, 
So unless my my daughter hulks out, and even then, sometimes I don't hear it. I'm a pretty firm sleeper. Sometimes it's because I got to pee. So unless my you my thing is looking at me, that's why I'm waking up. <laughs> um. So let me actually uh, let me look at something here. But before I go to that. Um, did I ever tell you guys one of the so like, here's the thing, and I, I think I talked about this in our prior podcast, but if enough I have, I uh, apologize because if you just heard in the podcast, uh, I literally asked Garrett a question twice in a row, and I forgot I had asked him. Um, <laughs> so I might have said this before, but uh, so when we first moved to the town that we're in now, Sioux Falls, um, uh, we lived with my grandparents uh, from 1992 to 2001. And um, they had an older house, kind of more on an older part of town. Uh, there's some houses that are over there that are actually, um, you know, the Pettigrew Museum. It's like a, a historical uh, house in town that they convert to a museum. It's where the Pettigrews grew up. And it's like a local kind of, it's a local historic thing. But there's a lot of houses around there. If you walk past them, they say this is a historical house. So there's a lot of older houses around there. So the house that they grew up in and also, I mean, the house that they owned, <coughs> um, uh, it was an older house, uh, and um, a lot of weird things would happen there. And so, like, growing up, I never knew whether or not, I mean, it's an older house, whether or not it was uh, just the house. And, you know, older houses you can have, if you have, like, if you have a little bit of carbon monoxide, um, it won't, like, kill you, but you will, like, hallucinate, you know, kind of get a little. So I, whether or not this is uh, stuff that actually happened or like that, but... I grew up with uh, three uh, brothers. Uh, we're uh, four, but now we have five. But uh, that brother um, barely grew up in that house. We moved. He was born in 97, and we moved in all one, like I said. But So for a majority of the time, and, and since we lived with my grandparents, uh, really there was two bedrooms. So my parents took one bedroom, and the four of us slept in one. And so things would happen. And, and the thing is, is that... Um, like I said, I would blame the carbon monoxide unless I didn't have people to back me up being like that they saw it too. And so, or heard it. Uh, and so, and my grandma and grandpa always had stories about stuff happening there. And um, one of the things that would happen, and it happened more than once, is that uh, on Friday, Saturday nights, uh, we would try, I mean, even during the week, if we weren't tired, we'd be in bed, but we'd be like talking to each other or staying up. And uh, um, my uh, dad worked late and he would always come home about two, three o'clock in the morning. And so when it got later, um, we would always hear that we lived upstairs. And so I'll kind of paint the picture here. You have to open a door, go up some stairs, and the stairs are pretty narrow and there's a lot of them. So, like, when we went up those stairs, we like ran up the stairs because, uh, it just, you know, you're a kid and there's a bunch of stairs. You're not going to go up it one by one. But when an adult came up them, it always was like they came slowly up them just because there's so many of them and it's kind of steep. And so there was like a handrail that you would hold. I never would hold the handrail because I'm a kid. So I just would run up the stairs. Uh, once you get up to the top of the stairs, there was a window right away uh, that you would see. And then you would turn around and go down this hallway. And then there was a bathroom on the left. And then it was their bedroom on the left. And then ours directly across on the right. And then there was just a wall. And so, uh, growing up, like I said, my father used to come home at two or three in the morning and, uh, 
we usually would talk to each other and kind of stay up around that same time. And once we heard that he was home, because we would hear the door open, him coming up the stairs, we would go try to go to sleep and be like, hey, quiet, he's here, and try to go to sleep. Um, and we always made sure that we listened out for that because that's, you know, saying that he's there. And if we're up that late, obviously, we're going to get in trouble. And uh, and so there was all, we're always keenly aware to listen for that sound of the door opening and somebody coming up the stairs. And I can't tell you how many times we would hear that door open and somebody run up the stairs and go, Oh wait, somebody's here and and go to sleep. And then nobody ever came up the stairs. And, uh, for all of us to realize and hear that sound is something for me to be like, it's not just one of us hallucinating something like for all of us to hear and make, Oh, and go on the covers at the same time. Like that's an, that's a, you hear it and you do that right away thing. So, um, one time also when uh, I was trying to go to sleep. So we had at that time when those kind of things happened, that kind of happened like I would say probably between 95 and 97 because <clears throat> we had our own, we had bunk beds. So we all had our own bed. But when we first moved there, like in 92 to 95, uh, we actually uh, had to pair up. And I, I slept with one of my brothers and my other brother slept with the other brother. And so I remember trying to go to sleep one night and they had to fall asleep. And I remember in that household, I would always try to go to sleep first. Like I don't want to be the last person awake uh, because so many things like this would happen. Um, and so I was trying to go to sleep and I looked at the floor and we had a couple of toys on the floor um, that uh, we had left from playing with before we went to sleep. And my younger brother had this uh, Buzz Lightyear uh, doll and I just remember I'm looking at the Buzz Lightyear and I just saw it like get up and start like spinning around, which, which is not like, which is not like something the Buzz Lightyear would do. So I don't think that I was like, s- like sleeping. I know I wasn't sleeping actually because I like turned around and like when this happened and like closed my eyes. Uh, but it's like somebody was playing with it as like a doll, like I had a, doing kind of like a ballerina dance with it. Um, and I just remember like closing my eyes and being like, oh, and, uh, <clears throat> and like I said, you don't want to be the last one to go to sleep because stuff like this starts to happen late at night. And so, uh, and I, the next day, like saw that doll and like, I'm being like kind of weary to like go by that doll. But also I was like, it's probably not the doll, right? If anything, like a ghost is playing with the doll. And, oh, dude, you just gave me chills. And uh, I remember saying one day, it was like a month or two later, uh, to my other brother who uh, wasn't in the bed that I slept that he was in the other bed, um, being like, hey, you know what I saw one time? And I told him that story. And all he said was, oh, you were awake too? Oh, and dude. I just remember being like, God. And he, we, before I described to him what I saw, he described to me what he saw. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I saw too. And so, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, these kind of things, like, I'm not saying whether or not I believe yes or no, uh, but, and I haven't had really anything like that's happened like that since I left that house. Like, in no matter, in other houses that I've lived in, nothing that um, can't be explained. Uh, but my grandpa, like I said, my grandparents used to tell stories. I, I have a couple like that. Um, towards the end, before we were leaving, like 2000, I would have these constant dreams. 
and I haven't had any of these dreams. I had like these dreams for like a year until we moved out of that house. But, and I remember in the dream, I would always be like, Hey, we're leaving. Cause I know at that time we had looked for a house. We knew we were going to be leaving. It was just a matter of time before we found one and left. And in these dreams, I constantly would be upstairs and kind of feel weird because I would be upstairs by myself. And I know that's something I did never like to do. I never like to be up there by myself. Um, and I always, when I was awake, would feel this constant fear of like running down the stairs that I would see somebody come from one of the bedrooms and like chase after me. Uh, oh, dude. And because like from the top of the stairs, you can see both bedrooms at the end of the hallway. And in this, like I said, there's a lot of stairs. And so you kind of have to like get, get down them. And in my dream, I remember feeling that same fear, which is, you know, if I want to explain it now today, it makes sense for me to have that kind of fear because I did when I was awake. And as a kid, you're pretty just scared that you're all alone. But in my dreams, I would start going on the stairs and this figure would come out from one of the bedrooms and like start to chase me. And, but in my dream, I always got down the stairs and closed the door and at the bottom of the door from the outside, not in the, not on like the, you couldn't lock the door from the inside. You could lock it from the outside. And, uh, so I would lock it from the outside, uh, which I don't, you know, explain that right now. This makes sense. I don't know why there's a lock in the outside, but whatever. <clears throat> I guess it's in your house. You want to lock the attic, but why wouldn't you have, a, oh, never mind. Anyways. So you, I locked the door in the dream and I remember going into the dining room was right at the bottom of the uh, stairs. Like you would go out to that door and it'd be the dining room. And I saw my family uh, around the table eating. And I was like, guys, and I was trying to explain to them what just happened. And I remember feeling like they just like were zoned out and weren't replying to me or listening in a way. And then I go into the kitchen, which was adjacent to the dining room in the stream. And they would come in and I would notice that it wasn't actually them because their eyes were all red and they would circle me and I constantly, and they were like, you can't leave is what they would all say. And I would wake up and I had that dream. Fuck dude. That's fucking terrible. I had that dream like every other night for like a year until we left. And when I think about that now, like I said, if if we want to indulge and say that that stuff's real, if I were to put any kind of theory behind it, that that house did have some sort of uh, hauntedness to it, and the house did not want me to leave. Like, like, no, you can't leave here. Wow. Dude, that's intense. Did I tell this last time? I don't know. You might have, but I don't remember it in this much detail, because if you did... But it still gave me chills, like the entire say, time. I, I've heard it. I think I've heard the story a couple times now, whether it be on the show or just between you and I. Uh, I still have goosebumps. So, there Did you the ever time have I dreams hate... like that? Yes. Ugh. So, oh, dude, you know what that reminds me of, Marvin? The end of the orphanage movie. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Oh yeah, you watched it too, Al. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck that. You know, um, I remember being terrified after watching that movie, and like, I had to work the next morning at like 5 a.m., and like, just me driving on a road all by myself. There's no other cars around. I was horrified until I like got into. I've never been so happy to get to work at 5 a.m. in my life. I was like, I'm inside. There's lights on. There's people here. I'm not alone. <laughs> like I'm, I'm. Oh man. Did I ever tell you the time? This is like not paranormal, but it is actually. Um, 
it is actually like kind of freaky. So in that same house. So in that same house, there was a basement, but the basement was not, you couldn't get to the basement from the actual house. It was like in the outside of the house, which is, that's, you know, like an old style house. You go outside, there's a separate door, which had a lock on it. And you would go down the stairs. It was like, it was cement stairs. And once you went through the first doorway, the, the bottom of the stairs, only one way, only one doorway. Like the, you could go down the stairs and there was only one doorway to get into the basement kind of area. Right away to the left was like laundry. There was a, a washer and dryer. And there was also like an older washer in there or something like that. They didn't work anymore, but it was still in there. And then there were uh, three kind of bedrooms. One of them had the furnace in it, so it really wasn't the bedroom. Um, and uh, one of them had a bunch of stuff, storage that we kept in there. But at one place in time, like when I was younger, my uncles actually lived down there. And so the two bedrooms were actually being used. But at this time, they had moved out and got their own houses. And so those two rooms were not occupied at all. Um, basically we used that basement just for the laundry and then that storage area. There was a, a bathroom also at the end of the hall across from the storage. Uh, but nobody ever went down there besides doing laundry. Uh, the storage was there for storage, but nobody ever went there and be like, Hey, I gotta get something out of the thing. Like it was there. There was like stuff that you would never go and get. Um, I know when we moved, we took a bunch of that stuff and it was like the first time I ever saw half that stuff because like I said, we put it in that room, we had no room for stuff. So we just kept it in there, but you would down there to do the laundry. So my mother would go down there and do laundry. My grandmother would go down there and do laundry. And um, my mom had the constant, she constantly would be like, hey, to one of us, uh, be like, hey, uh, go down there and uh, get the laundry from the dryer. Like, it should be done by now. So there'd be a basket on top of the dryer, and you go and get the dry, you get the, put the clothes in there, and you bring it back up the stairs. And like I said, this was on, uh, outside of the house, so that you could, the only way you could get to it was go outside. And so the reason why she would ask us to do this is because, you know, she'd be cooking dinner and it'd be late at night. She'd be like, hey, you go get this real quick while I'm doing this. Um, and uh, uh, me and my, the brother youngest, not the, the next youngest brother would constantly be the two to be like, hey, go down there. My youngest brother was told to go down there. My oldest brother, for some reason, I don't know why, was never told to go down there. But it'd be me or my other brother. And we would go down there, get the clothes, come back up, yada, yada. It, it, easy enough. Right. But I always felt like freaked out going down there because, you know, I mean, it's in the outside of the house. But my mind never went to the ghost thing. Like the ghost thing was always in the rest of the house. Um, even though my grandma has a story about a ghost down there, but I'll share that a different time. Um, but my fear always came from, from somebody, from a kid standpoint, was that you had to go outside to go down in the basement. And I remember always feeling this fear that there would be somebody out there, you know, uh, and like a stranger. And they would try to kidnap me. Um, and so it was always kind of like a mad dash to get out that door, go into the basement, get the clothes, and go back inside and lock the door real quick. Um, that was where my mindset was. I don't know how, why I thought some person would be like scoping out that spot because it was like in the back of the house, the door, uh, scoping out that spot to be like, hey, I'm going to wait for this kid to come out here and then I'm going to get him because I know that they go in and out for the laundry. But I guess if you, it was the, the thing that I'm missing that I'm kind of leaving out here is right behind the house. There was like a garden that my my grandfather uh, had, but beyond that, there was an alleyway. That so I mean, it's not too far fetched to think that somebody could be walking by and notice that people go in and out to get the laundry and sit there and wait for somebody. So that was always my fear as a kid, being like, I'm gonna go out there and get kidnapped, and uh, my mom's gonna not, she's gonna be like, hey, what happened to Marvin? And be like, oh, I sent him off to the laundry, and like, I never. So, anyways, so I went out there. There was like a two to three day thing where I went down there and I remember going down there one time and like the laundry was still going. 
And so I kind of just waited for a second because I could you could see in the timer thing that it was almost done. And I remember looking into one room and there was like a mattress on the floor and it kind of almost looked like somebody lived there still. But I was like, that must be my uncle's old stuff. Like, I don't know why. Like, it's like that. There's like this, you know, there's those shitty alarm clocks that are just like a small box and has like one button on top to like, and it kind of is like an old analog one. That was there and there was like this kind of old piece of furniture in the corner and then there was a mattress. And I remember being down there being like feeling very strange about being down there being like it felt like I wasn't alone down there. And my brother uh, would also go down there. I remember him being like feeling kind of strange this next these couple days. And um, uh, so I had mentioned that two of my uncles used to live down there. Well, one of my uncles still lived in the house, but he didn't live down there. He lived okay, there was kind of like a room on the first floor. And he kind of was staying there while he was uh, getting some stuff together between uh, houses. And um, he went down there one morning for his laundry. And uh, he ended up having to call the police because in that room there was this uh, 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 vagrant uh, lady that was sleeping in there. And, they, and so he went upstairs quietly and called the police and was like, hey, somebody's in the house. And so they, I remember waking up one morning going to school and the police were at my house and I'd be like, what happened? And they were like, somebody was sleeping in the basement and they had Fuck. broken, they had broken in on one of the side windows and like was sleeping down there for a couple of days. So I'm pretty sure when I was down there that one time and I felt weird, like if somebody was watching me and I saw that mattress and I saw that alarm clock, that shitty alarm clock, and I was waiting for the laundry to be done that I wasn't alone down there. Oh, dude. But, no. <laughs> but, like, oh, but that wasn't fucked up. that doesn't go back to like I don't think that person ever meant to do anything to us I think they were just like for somewhere to stay um, uh, but also as a kid and that was my fear that somebody was like gonna watch me and see me go down there and like uh, for that to be uh, a valid thing to be scared of now and for it to actually happen like that you wouldn't believe I refused to go down there after that. I was like, there's no way, dude. And if I would have to, I would like bring up a flashlight and I would do it quick and I would just like bolt up those stairs. God, and like, uh, you couldn't pay me money to go down there anymore. Uh, I just have like this horrible feeling about that. I mean, which I'd said, like I said, valid because it happened one time. <laughs> so. Oh, dude, that's intense. Yeah, I'd be bringing someone with me. I'd I'd take uh, Corey and be like, Corey, you're coming with me. Like, let's go. Like, you don't got a choice. Like, but I think that's the scariest thing is like, and um, Alex knows because he always talks about uh, having his uh, gun by his side. Um, is uh, somebody like breaking into your house? Like, if they're gonna come into your house, and like that person just wanted somewhere to stay, and that was outside of a house, and luckily the basement is not attached to anywhere upstairs, and so when they were down there, there's no way they can really get into the house. Uh, unless they had to break into the house separately. Um, uh, but not a lot of houses are built that way anymore. And so um, I know like my basement is attached to my garage. And so like you can get in through the garage. And so I feel like that's still a constant fear as a homeowner or as even somewhere like uh, Garrett, you live in an apartment building. I feel like in an apartment building, I always felt a little bit safe because there's all the people around and hopefully they hear something and, right. uh, and wake up and like deal with it. But also like, if they came in, I could at least like make enough noise that somebody be like, "Hey, what's going on?" But in a house that you own, Alex confirmed this. If uh, maybe I'm just crazy, uh, I feel like 
somebody breaking in is like top five fears of owning your own house? Um, well, I mean, not yeah, a fear for I, you because you got guns. But but I mean, it's one of those things that I, I think in the back of my mind, I'm always afraid because it's not just me living here. I mean, I've got I've got my my wife and my daughter that I'd be concerned about that is always on the back of my mind. Um, but I think my 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 number one fear house wise is a house fire, and for yeah. like stupid reasons. The the breaking in for the most part, I'm I'm pretty. Let's say your daughter and your wife go on a trip. You're there by yourself, uh, and somebody breaks in. That you don't you're not afraid. Mm, do I have my dog at home, or is he elsewhere? Mm, I'm gonna say elsewhere. Just you by yourself. Okay, uh, by myself, I wouldn't stay here probably. No. Okay. Well, let's. I, I mean, I'm one of those people that I I like being alone, but. To sleep in my house by myself without even my dog at home would be weary. I mean, I already pretend, like I'm already paranoid enough as it is. Yeah, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay home by myself during the day. Yes, but at night I'd probably go stay at at my folks' house or someone else's house just so I didn't have to sleep by myself. That sounds weird. you know. You know, but the thing is, and actually, I I kind of so I'm a very heavy sleeper. And when I say that, I mean, like, literally, <laughs> I've, I've, I have fallen asleep. Like, I just, I'm laying on the floor. And uh, when me and my wife first started dating, I was at her family's house. And her mom and her sister and her were, were watching TV. And I remember laying on the floor with a pillow, like, watching TV, too. And I fell asleep. And none of what the ruckus that they were making woke me up at all. And they're pretty loud. Uh, when the three of them are going and the TV was pretty loud. And I remember her mom was like, like, how do you, how did you sleep through any of that? That's way too loud. Like none of it. And I didn't, I don't remember even like being bothered at all. I slept through the whole thing and I woke up when I wanted to wake up. It was a short nap, but even still like none of that noise woke me up. And still to this day, like you could literally come into my room and like, uh, uh, shake me awake. And it, it takes a little bit to wake me up. And so, when if I'm home alone and it's only happened a few times, because uh, uh, like you said, Alex, when you have a family, it's kind of a little bit different because you have the people here. But uh, my fear is always that somebody's going to break in the house and I'm not going to wake up until they're finally like right next to me. And so uh, uh, what I do is I home alone it. You put a lot of shit in the way. So, <laughs> I've done, and I do, and actually, I do that too. I put a lot of I'll stuff put to be in front like. Of the doors. Hopefully, they'll be like walking upstairs and not see this, and maybe trip down the stairs, and that'll be enough to wake me up and be like, "All right, here we go." Um, and uh, uh, I don't like if I was awake and somebody was trying to break into the house, even though I feel like that would be fearful. I think I'd be better than if I was sleeping and woke up because it takes you. It takes me. I don't know about you guys, but it takes me a good minute to be like, "What's going on?" Um, when I first wake up. And, uh, uh, I think if I woke up in the middle of the night, even if like that person was in my room for a minute, I would be like, I don't know what's going on here. And so I'm like, in <laughs> that person has a minute advantage on me. Uh, I can't let them have a minute advantage on me. If you know anything for me, Alex and my fighting style, uh, cause you know, you see me play Arkham Asylum, the Batman game. Uh, I'm a good Dodger. So, uh, this guy comes at me. I need all the dodging time I can. So, uh, if he has a minute advantage on me, he might get me. But I see stuff happening. I have a little, I have like fly sense. I see stuff uh, that happens and you, they're too slow to react. I'm like a fly and uh, I sting like a bee. So, 
Uh, actually, I think that's uh, enough stories. I don't know if you had another one, Garrett, but uh, nope, that's all. We're at about I an had. hour and a half, and I think I brought some scary stuff. The because I, I didn't realize if I talked about that before enough. And you're right, I think I have brought that up before, but for some reason, right now, and it might be because uh, uh, uh Garrett recently, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast, uh, saved my life uh, by telling me to drink water. Um, <laughs> and so, um, uh, through Garrett telling stories, uh, I have this 32 ounce, uh, water thing, uh, and I drink like half of it. And I feel like right now, uh, when I, you're talking about your first story, that's when I started getting the water in me. Obviously, that's why I asked the same thing twice about the, the beer. Um, my brain wasn't there yet, but now I feel like I drink half of it and my brain, like I'm firing all cylinders. So all that came back to me, flooded back to me in vivid detail. Um, they call this, it the liquid of life for a reason. This whole time, Garrett, I thought I had no memory, but the, the <laughs> truth was my brain was dying of thirst and needed me to have liquid to fire correctly and fire these cylinders. And, uh, all that, that's all I'm going to say to everybody out there. And it's in, we are joking because, uh, uh, for years, I was been like, "Oh fuck!" I feel like an old man, and also like I have horrible memory, and and also like I constantly would have headaches, and I constantly was like, "I get migraines, I get migraines," and so I would take medication for them. And so Garrett tells me, "How much water do you drink a day?" And I said, "Hey, first off, it's not gonna be that fucking easy, dude." I go, "It's not gonna be that easy. It's not just water. I drink enough water." And you said, "How much do you drink?" I go, "Maybe like a couple glasses a day." You're like, dude, just not enough water. I said, yeah, right. Well, guess what? Today I'm just going to drink water all day. I'm going to drink it one one bottle after another. I had like this smaller bottle, it was like 20 ounces, uh, and I was like, I'm going to drink it one after another all day, like not stop, and we'll see how I feel at the end of the day. And I remember going up to Gary and being like, you're right, <laughs> dehydrated. <laughs> I haven't felt better in my whole fucking life than I do right now. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's minimum. Unsolved. You're supposed to have eight glasses a day. Well, that's not an unsolved mystery anymore. That's salt. <laughs> you cracked the case <laughs> you cracked the case it was h2o the whole time and uh if anybody out there is being like man i only drink soda i only drink get some water in you, you know what actually what i've been doing is i feel like my big thing is that i'll drink a glass of water but then i don't want to go back and get more water so you got to get like a big thing to hold water in uh 32 mm-hmm. ounces right here i have another one that's 22 ounces i feel like you gotta get a lot of water and uh when i have it then i'll drink it but I feel like before I was like getting a small cup and then at work we had smaller cups are like 10 ounces or something like that. I would just get that with water and then be like, oh, I guess that's my water for the day because uh, I'm not going to go back and get more water. Um, and I I would feel too lazy because I didn't have enough fucking water. You know, it's a, it's a cycle. <laughs> and all I'm saying is H2O will help you. And maybe when I was in that household, Garrett, if it wasn't the carbon monoxide, it might have been the lack of H2O. But yeah, that's that's some high quality H two. But like I said, all my brothers had the same kind of experiences, and if you ask them without me prompting any of those stories, they would tell you exactly word for word. Um, and that's the scariest part is that you know what? It might be there's there's mass hysteria where everybody sees the same thing. But the thing I never understood about mass hysteria, I might do more research on this, uh, is how everybody knows specifics the same, and uh, how me and my brother would know specifics the same without us telling each other what was going on. And I think that's the scariest part when you're talking about that UFO story, uh, and <clears throat> Garrett and mm-hmm. like there's stuff that you can't explain or multiple, like it, it, the battle of L- LA, you guys know about the story. I'll say this real quick and then we can wrap this up. Um, 
there was all this mysterious lights over LA. And at the time, it was close. I think we were still in World War II or around the time. They had thought that somebody was invading. Uh, and so and they got, there's a bunch of, there's like a naval base and all this stuff like that. And so uh, they all started like shooting into the sky because they thought that these were planes and they were here and they were attacking LA. And that's why it's called the Battle of LA. But the way that these lights were flying and stuff like that, like there's no way it could have been any kind of aircraft and like they never shot anything down. Um, and the whole city saw it so much. So like I said, the military was shooting these lights and it's never been explained like what was going on. And obviously it pro- it wasn't like a military thing going on because you know, they were shooting at it. And you think that if there was some sort of secret thing, they would be like, Hey, hold your fire. Like this is, I can't tell you what's happening. It's classified, but you know, quit fucking shooting <laughs> at her guys. <laughs> um, but for the whole city to be like, yeah, like they all saw it and it was enough for them to like, fear that somebody was invading that like that kind of stuff i never understand that like like i said you can explain what it's one person and they're by themselves the human brain is a very mysterious thing especially when when you you know you're dehydrated or you're lacking a certain kind of nutrients or you might be in a house like i said with a carbon monoxide leak and so you're you know you hallucinate that is possible but for a whole town in different kind of scenarios different types of people to see the same thing and have the same kind of story uh, that's where it gets a little weird for me. And so um, when you have multiple people involved, I tend to believe that more than just one person. So uh, like, uh, and I don't mean one after another too, like legends, that's how they happen. But that's mostly because one person hears a legend and they go out there and their brain's already set. I'm like, I'm going to see this thing. I'm talking about one event, everybody there, and here's the whole thing. Kind of like an event I was talking about earlier, fear itself. Uh, I, we all knew that was out at the same time and everybody said shit. So, uh, <laughs> I remember that book made me go from loving Matt Fraction to hating him. I hated him for a while being like, he's not a good writer. This is not good at all. And it wasn't until Sex Criminals came out that I was like, you know what? This guy's no, actually it was when Hawkeye came Hawkeye. out. Hawkeye. Cause I remember telling Alex, this guy is fucking horrible. Like he used to be good, but he's been shit lately. Do not get that book. That's Matt Fraction. <laughs> And uh, I remember Alex being like, well, I'm going to try it out. And which is good because then Alex was like, dude, this is fucking amazing. And I go, all right, I'll go get it. And I got, it. I was like, Hey, you're right. And that's when we got into Hawkeye and that's when all things turned on Matt fraction. And so what I'm saying is, you know, things might happen. There might be an event out there that you all see and have kind of perspective on, but it is also one event. And sometimes there's stuff out there that's unsolved as we mentioned tonight. And sometimes you solve things like the H2O, but the thing that you have to remember is, whether it be the H2O or the sun in the sky that's being uh, being visited by aliens or the werewolf on the road or the ghost in the attic, there's only one thing you have to remember. When somebody stares at you long enough and you're sleeping, you eventually wake up. And at midnight tonight, you're going to wake up and look around and not see anybody. But they're looking at you. For Wednesday Comics, I've been Marvin. I'm Alex. <laughs> Who is it? Who do you ask? Shia LaBeouf. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone. Stay safe and keep turning those pages. Oh.